Hi everybody, this is Nancy Miller from My Creative Life, the podcast about creatives and how and why they make the art that they do. Today I have Kelly Kivarana, who is in my fibers class, who is a professional surface designer. Hi Kelly, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing great, thank you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. And I loved your work from Fibers Class. You are such a beautiful um, surface designs, and you have done so much work professionally in that area. So I'm so excited to have you answer my questions. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Oh, and by the way, everybody, I have um, Robin Mallory with me, who is also co-hosting. Robin, you want to say hi? Hello. Hello. (laughs) So Robin was good enough to join in on this um, interview. So... I um, know more about you than the audience, but can you share a little bit about your background? Uh, Gosh, my background is I um, was born in Denver, Colorado, and grew up in a house with a lot of art influence. Um, My dad was a pilot, and my mom um, was a stay-at-home mom, and we did a ton of arts and crafts growing up, um, that and traveled a lot, but I think the arts were always kind of a, a ground for what you know what we did when I was a kid um and I remember even specifically gosh I was probably five years old sitting on a little stump in my backyard thinking making sand paintings and thinking what do I want to do with my life and um I thought this is all I want to do (laughs) I just want to make things so I think it's kind of been in my you know blood forever It's kind of interesting because you and I actually were at um, undergrad probably around the same time, but I didn't know you then. I wish I had because you're just absolutely just a delight to know. But um, how did you choose your major? Because you're a fibers major and I had not even really wasn't aware of fibers. So what drew you to being a fibers uh, major? Uh, I actually came to SCAD with an intent to major in photography. And again, we when I was little, we had this makeshift dark room in our basement and I that was something I absolutely loved my whole life and wanted to pursue and I think it was about a year and a half into my career at SCAD I took a fibers class I think it was a a, a surface design class and it was screen printing and repeat pattern design and I absolutely fell in love with it and it really just worked with everything I've ever thought, you know, look, finding repeats and wall covering, you know, my friend's houses when I was a kid. And it just was really my calling. And I was able to combine photography with the pattern design. So I ended up switching majors. And I didn't even know the fibers department existed either mm-hmm. until I was at SCAD. And it was just a really natural transition. Because what fascinates me is you have been working on for I could be wrong with the number of year, but I think over 20 years now as a surface designer. I have about uh, 23 years. 23 years, wow. And you have done large-scale surface designs for, like, these, like, resorts, casinos, um, hotels. And can you talk a little bit, because I don't think I would do justice in what explaining what you do, because I don't even think I really understand, but I just love the work that I, you shared with me. Um, from the from these places that you've done work for. Okay. Um, uh, basically, I've professionally worked for carpet manufacturers, and they work with the interior design firms that design um, carpets for hospitality primarily. I mean, I've done some 
residential, but typically it's it's hospitality. And because I was in Las Vegas for so many years, that was the market I specialized in, which encompasses casinos, convention centers, you know, stuff like hotels. And so that's really where I think my expertise has fallen. Um, my favorite thing to do is probably hotels, boutique hotels. I absolutely love. I mean, it's just kind of a different design niche than casinos, but the patterns can go anywhere from small repeats up to no repeats. Um, I just, they're actually installing a, a Disney property in Orlando and there's not a repeat in the entire convention pre-function area. It's just wow. massive <laughs> and it was a massive amount of work. Um, it, it just amazes me because the scale, I think a lot of times when people think repeat, we think of like wallpaper or we think of textiles where it's a smaller scale, like, you know, printed fabric for your clothes. But like Kelly's working like, I don't want to say necessarily football field sizes, but they're huge. Oh, Is yeah. it really football sales? Though? Yes. Oh my <laughs> gosh. That's just like blows my mind. So the way you translate those motifs into something of that scale is really amazing to me because then understanding like this is how the person who walks into that environment will experience it like I think that's fascinating like, right yeah that right you have that and there are a lot of tricks with that too I mean it's typically not recommended to uh -huh. do no repeat in a property because of course they get so much wear and tear and abuse uh -huh. that if something gets ruined or stained that they usually should be able to replace it but if it doesn't have a repeat there's, there's, <laughs> you can't just make a small piece of carpet. I mean, you could, but there are minimums involved and stuff like that. So typically facilities will do a massive, massive repeat, like maybe two or three loom widths wide. So up to, gosh, um, like 12 meters or excuse me. Yeah. 12 meters wide. Um, and you know, so when they're that big, your eye doesn't naturally see that far. So it doesn't feel like a repeat, but they really do repeat, and that makes it easier for the properties to replace carpet if they need to. What is your process with that? Do they come and tell you what they want? Because I know Disney has a tendency to like hide a little Mickey in a lot of their stuff. And, mm. um, so do they tell you, we want this, these are the colors that we want, this is the size that we want, or do you um, just have a process where you present them with stuff? Um, it really depends on the client. Um, some clients are very, very specific. I mean, down to they will give me drawings. And in that regard, I feel like I'm just, you know, a craftsman, you know, or, you know, make inputting what they do into carpet. But I have other clients who are just say, do whatever you want. We don't mm -hmm. care. Just, you know, you know what we like, mm -hmm. you know, just do what you want. And I mean, there's still an evolution in that. And, you know, you work together on it. So, I mean, I, there's most stuff I don't even feel comfortable saying it's completely mine because of course it's their vision and their input too yeah. that we work together to achieve it and um so it really depends um also you know a lot of manufacturers have massive archives of designs that have never been used or that were designed for other projects but rejected and so a lot of those are recycled or you can find like bones of those that are beautiful that mm. I think, oh, this would be perfect for this project. So having access to an archive like that is... They let you have access to that? Oh, yeah. That yeah. must be like a treasure trove. Oh, it is. <laughs> it is. And you have to be careful because, of course, you don't want to take something that has been installed somewhere. And, you know, there are checks right. and balances for that, too. But usually if there is something that I think, oh, this would be fantastic, 
I'll make sure that it's not there's not a copyright issue or anything and then I'll use it and put my own spin on it um, so it is a treasure trove of, of you know endless opportunities I mean textures and shapes and everything but I also think too when you do design stuff from scratch that I feel like the approvals come faster and I think because when it is from scratch it's no proper kind notions of, and stuff right and and I think things relate naturally how you want them to be whereas mm -hmm. if you're taking something that's already designed it could be off a little bit or I don't know it, it's Maybe I think over, stiff. Yeah, yeah over the years I've been able to do both ways but I really like designing stuff from scratch because it's just right. <laughs> when you make all the decisions for that project specifically, it, it has a tendency to just have its own life. That's amazing. So I was curious, so like the things that you learned in school versus what you do professionally when you're undergrad as a fibers major, did you, did that correlate? Or because like sometimes what I've learned is like once you get into a profession, you're like, oh, there's a lot more to this than I was learning in school. Right. Um. Gosh, I think SCAD really prepared me well for my career. I mean, yeah. and when I was there, they didn't have CAD programs for design. Every all the repeats and everything we were doing all by hand, and gouache paintings and you know screen printing repeats and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So all of my computer experience was on the job. Um, but even then, when I started my career, I had this amazing mentor who he didn't want me on the computer and I sat for six months and drew and hand checked out carpet like he did before they had computers um, so I'm really grateful for that classical training too I think that's a great point because I like that I, I learned from my fibers class together like the hand part because then when I did it in the computer I was so much quicker like I felt like I got understood like half drops a lot better yes because I for the longest time, I'd only been trying to do it on the computer, and I didn't understand how that really worked. So yeah. that's good to know. I do, and I appreciate, like, the, I like the hand line quality or taking something and then digitizing it. Something right. more organic about it. I agree with that. And I still do a lot of that in my work. I'll, I'll draw it by hand and then digitize it just because it does give it a different feel. Than I feel it's faster some. as well because... As someone that I do a lot of fine art, painting, drawing, and that kind of stuff, it's it feels like the motion feels more fluid when you draw it in in the real world, I guess, and then digitize it after. Because I guess thinking as a painter, I can move my shoulder, I get the movement, the full the full swoop of something. Right. And then when I put it into the computer to change something around, it has more of a like a natural feel to it. Definitely. You lose a little bit of that when you go straight digital right cool and you because we met in um the uh elective so why i was curious why you chose to get work on your master's because you're already a an amazing working professional in the industry and you've accomplished so much so um why did you want to get your master's degree i think i've always wanted to get it and didn't do it when i was younger and i think with COVID happening and things slowing down a little bit at work, I finally had the time to do it. Um, I I think I had started the application to get my master's, gosh, probably started 10 years ago, and I would fill it out and I would do everything but submit it. And of course, being a mom, mm -hmm. I 
felt like if I was doing that, I would be taking time away from my family. And every time I thought, I don't want to do this to my kids, because I knew it would just be overwhelming and and not fair to them. And I think as much as I work, that's already enough time away from them. So ultimately, I decided to postpone it until they got in college. And so now they're both in school. And so the timing just kind of worked out. So and I've always contemplating contemplated teaching maybe. Um, I don't know. But I mean, at least if I did have my master's, I would open some doors in that regard. I could totally see you being a teacher. You have such a great heart and you have such a great feedback on uh, the work when you were sharing it in class. So I really appreciate all oh, the insight you. that you gave me because I would just look at your patterns and be like, that's really smart. Like that doesn't look like a pattern, but it is a pattern. And so I think all those years that you've honed your skill set, it's that it looks effortless, but I know it's all those hours that you put into it. You're just like, you, you just live and breathe patterns. So the way you're looking at those networks that really fascinated me because I was like she could do this in her sleep <laughs> she's done it so much and it looks effortlessly but I know it's all those years of um, work and hard work and experience it's funny because some of it is effortless but yeah. then the simple things that you think would be easy are the most difficult yeah. I mean just like a simple just two color pattern organic pattern oh. I don't know why that's so difficult sometimes or just a line pattern or something because okay. I don't know, you're dealing with lining or or uh, I can't think of the word <laughs> um tracking oh um, yeah stuff yeah. like that that yeah. I don't know why it's it's the simple ones that or what you think is simple are the most difficult and so you are super busy as a, a surface designer mom and student how do you manage all of that? And are there any tips that you could give us? Gosh, I have sweet daughters that love me <laughs> and are very supportive. Um, that helps. But it's, it's a little bit of a juggle between work and school. I only had the time to take one class at a time. So, I mean, it's a long track for a degree. <laughs> but um it's really all I can handle. I mean, and I would literally work my job and then, you know, stop, have a bite to eat, and then work on my schoolwork until sometimes midnight or one or two, depending on if I had a deadline or not. Um, so it's a lot. And, I mean, I, my social life goes down the drain because weekends are spent designing and working on school projects versus hanging out with my friends. But... Um, the quarters are, they go by so fast that it's worth it. With staying that, that busy, because mm -hmm. I, I struggle with motivation mm -hmm. and I have a busy schedule as well. I have a child and I do the school and stuff as well. How do you stay motivated? Um, I am motivated by deadlines and I'm a huge, huge procrastinator. <laughs> so I actually think the busier I am, the more organized I become and when you don't have time to guess or, you know, you just, you have to make decisions and you have to get things done. And I actually think that's when the magic happens of design. And I mean, sometimes I have no idea what I'm about to do or, you know, no plan at all. And I just make decisions as I go and something magical and beautiful happens. And I don't even know how, <laughs> but I feel like there's a detachment from my hand and my brain because it's not like I have a vision for it and draw it. It just, I have to play with it until it looks right and feels right. And when it does, I know. And 
but somehow the, the time pressure really helps with that. If I do have extra time, I tend to procrastinate until I know I'm like, okay, I'm at my limit. <laughs> like, I know I'm in the red zone. And <laughs> I do that too. <laughs> and I almost force myself into that zone. I mean, and I, I don't think it's a good thing. I mean, I wish I had more control over it, but I found that's the way I work the best. And I find that my daughters are the same that, you know, so I can't blame them. And I mean, gosh, even when they were in high school and stuff and they'd wait till the night before and... I thought, well, that's how I work. And they would somehow, again, pull it off, and it would be beautiful. And <laughs> so I guess the apple doesn't fall from the, from the tree. Um, do you have, um, do you feel that you get more inspired by the natural or other artists or particular artists and, like, specific ones that you follow? Um, no, mostly by the natural. I love the outdoors and being outside, I'd love to travel. So I think a combination of traveling and being outdoors is definitely inspiring. I think because of my interest in photography too, that that's really a huge backup for me. And I mean, I mean, sometimes I don't pick up, pick up a camera for months, but then when I do and things are beautiful, then I get inspired again and regenerated. And so there's definitely, I lean on that for inspiration. Um, but again, it's all tied in together because I won't pick up a camera for months, but if I go on a trip, I bring my camera. <laughs> so, I mean, it all kind of folds in to itself. So I think there's a combination of the travel being inspiring and the photography that comes out of the travel. Um, but definitely more so that than other artists. And, I mean, I love other artwork, and I, I'm always, always scanning and looking at stuff. And, you know, I, I love visual things. But... Um, I definitely get my inspiration more out of, I think, natural things. You see, I was remember something you said at the beginning of the interview. You were sitting on a stump. It was you were five years old. Oh yes. And uh, you, you were just deciding that that's what you wanted to do for your whole life. If you could go back and tell that child, um, tell yourself to, like have any kind of art career. What would you tell yourself at that point? I. I don't think I would change anything, you know, and I mean, of course, I had a very practical dad, and he was, has always been extremely supportive and wonderful, and I think in the beginning when I really was saying I wanted to pursue the arts, um, and I was toying with being a pilot and ended up getting my pilot's license and taking that route, and I know his perspective on it was if you're flying, you'll have time off where you can do the art, and it's like a really good combination, and it's it's absolutely ideal, but I think the passion for the art was just stronger than the flying. I was scared and nervous with the flying, and so I took the art path, and I'm grateful I did. I mean, I've had a wonderful career. It's very inspired at five years old to know mm -hmm. what you want to do with yeah. your, your career and to be creative at that point. Right, and just amazing. And I wasn't sure it. exactly what. I just knew that it, I wanted to be creative. I thought I just want to make things, and I think the photography was really probably heavier with me I mean with and the funny thing is my mom had some friends like from gosh before I was born and they were elderly and the husband passed away and he was a photographer and she was always really interested in his stuff so one day I mean I was probably two or three a box showed up on our doorstep and he had willed his dark room to her and so it just showed up on the door and so we just made this makeshift dark room in the basement and 
we were down there all the time. And I was just, I could stand there for hours and hours and hours. I was so fascinated by it. And so that was really, like, I don't know, that. And there was always some kind of arts and crafts going on. There's a lot of tie between that, though. Because as a photographer, you really have to appreciate light and value and how things are in the frame. And right. As well as you see that a lot in fibers. And I mean, I'm not a fibers person, but I can definitely appreciate <laughs> what your art and, and how you view things as an, as an artist and an as observer. Um, so for all of the people out here listening, where can people see your work? Oh, gosh. Well, I've done so little work for myself because I've been working professionally for so many years, but I think Las Vegas is the biggest network of work. Um, I have many casinos I've worked on. Um, gosh, I think uh, Mandalay Bay, Flamingo. I have carpet in Bellagio, not the actual casino, the hotel lobby, all the corridors. Um it's beautiful. I mean, I've been there. Yeah. You know, stepped on her carpet. I have stepped on your carpet. <laughs> oh, gosh, it's so cool. Um, I mean, it's a small world. It is. It is. But it's like carpet that she designed. It, it just blows so. my mind away. Right. Seriously. And again, I have to credit the interior design firms too because, I mean, these are all collaborations with them, but they these are all projects. Your, your carpet um, is taste, underneath so. Bellagio's. Right. And um, they have Juhuli up there as well. Oh, right. It is. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, so you're that's, in the same room with Juhuli. Right. They've got good taste. They do. They know. So, awesome. so, oh gosh, the Luxor. Um, I've done a lot of work for Ritz Carlton. Um, I did some work for the Royal Family of Saudi Arabia. Um, wow. So, I mean, it's kind of all over the place. Disney, um, I'm trying to think, Marriott is a huge client. So, lots of Marriott hotels scattered all over the country. I mean, it, I don't, I'm trying to think if I have a favorite. Um, Are you a favorite? <laughs> Not really. I don't. You know, I love to do the work in Colorado. I mean, I do a lot of work of ski resorts and lodges and stuff like that. And it's a totally different mindset of design than casino work. But I, I don't know. I'm partial <laughs> because I mainly really environment. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Thank you, Kelly and Robin. And Robin, where can people see your work? Um, Jillian underscore Mallory 72 on Instagram. Great. And mine is, um, N Miller illustration and thank you all for listening and, um, please like and subscribe and uh, stay tuned for the next podcast. All right. Bye.